You're listening to the sermon audio from Mill Creek Community Church. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com. Well, good evening. My name's Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you've joined us. We're going to be in Matthew 1 for the few moments we get to share, but as we get started, allow me to ask you, are you a skeptical person? Are, are you the kind of person who is suspicious when they hear really good news? You don't have to apologize to me if you're someone who concludes there has just got to be some scam going on if a person is willing to give you uh, the once-in-a-lifetime deal, but you have to make a decision in the next five minutes. Or if you hear somebody saying, oh man, I got this unbelievable deal, you don't have to apologize to me if you think in your mind, yeah, right, they wouldn't offer you the deal if they weren't going to be making money off of you. Like, I'm sure every now and then there's some news that really pans out and you're really excited and everybody around you is excited. Just like I'm very excited for the Nigerian prince to wire me $2 million tomorrow and all of a sudden we're going we're gonna, to uh, have all this money and all those car, car warranties I bought on the phone, those are going to turn out, I know. Um, but for the, all the other scams out there, you don't have to apologize to me if you're skeptical. Because the truth is, I, th- I think it's quite normal for us when we're faced with good news, like, like really good news, we're quick to think, yeah, but what's the catch? What's the catch with the really good news? What are you actually going to try to trick me out of? I'm not a fool, so don't play me for one. And here at Christmas Eve, in this service, we celebrate some of the good news. In fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message we talk about frequently here at Mill Creek. The gospel is translated as good news, but good news actually feels like it's watering down the message. It's not just good. It's unbelievable. It's the most incredible news you'll ever hear in your entire life, that the message that, that, that God himself loves us, and despite our sin and turning from him, he still has offered a way of salvation. Good news? Are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. But some of you might be here because mom asked you to show up. And so you got to listen to me before we're going to light some candles and sing Silent Night and then get the world's best cupcake on the way out and call it a night. So here you are thinking, good news, huh, pastor? How are we going to interact? But what happens in the few verses we're going to look at, it, it actually addresses our cynicism. It will address your doubts. If you're here and you're thinking, eh, it's probably too good to be true. Well, I've got some good news for you. And, and the question from the text is, are we going to trust the good news this Christmas? Are you going to trust the good news this Christmas? I want to show you from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, how Joseph doesn't have to be afraid of good news, and then we'll consider how we don't have to be afraid of the good news either. Would you open to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18? If you're here and you don't have a Bible, you can flip it in your phone or device. We're in the ESV version. If you want to just grab one of the Bibles that's in our chair back, it's right in there. Matthew chapter 1, Verse 18, 
We're going to spend time in verses 18 to 25 tonight. Two parts to this little talk I'm giving. The first is Joseph's story. Look with me in the scripture at what happens to Joseph, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, betrothed is just a fancy word for engagement on steroids. Some of you have been engaged. That's an important commitment. This is even heavier duty than that. It's called betrothed. When when Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, so they're sexually pure, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So I was studying this passage and uh, preparing for tonight and was fascinated to learn that, that Matthew is actually tracking Joseph's side of the story. Some of you probably already knew that. You're smart. Not me. I had to read it and learn it for myself. But Matthew's tracking it. Did you know what the other major story is of Jesus' birth? We find that in Luke chapter 2. And that one follows Mary's version of the story. So if you want to read Mary's version, makes sense. It's 50 verses long because that's mama's take. She's got her little keepsake. She's going to tell you the story. It ain't going to take her all day to get that story done. Here you got dad going, yeah, she pregnant, one mine. We got married. We good. Eight verses. It's Joseph's side. That's what we're looking at here. I do think this is following Joseph's side, though. You can see it, in fact, because in verses 1 to 18, you see this genealogical record, which was very important to them. It actually, it actually follows Joseph's side. But enough nerding out about the family tree. This is Jesus' Genesis story. This is the origin story of Jesus from Joyce, Joseph's point of view. And fellas, can you put yourself in Joseph's shoes and imagine how discouraged you would be if you had found the girl of your dreams, you guys had made a commitment, you'd gotten down on one knee and it was a romantic night and you had said, man, I love you, you're my girl, let's get married, but before we get married, let's just call this an official betrothal, an engagement on steroids, and she looks at you and she says, yes, I love you, and then a few weeks later, she pregnant, and you know it ain't yours. That's discouraging, to say the least. And, and I imagine Joseph, Joseph must have felt like such a fool. What a fool. He thought he picked a good girl. She probably said some nice things to him, and he's going to commit his life to her only to find out she's playing him. How foolish would he have looked in front of his parents? How foolish would he be in front of his friends? Can you just imagine what would happen if Joseph decided to stick with her? Yeah, no deal. Joseph is the kind of guy they want to get on Jerry Springer or the Maury show and then just go, ha-ha, guess what? So Joseph's not going to play the fool. No thanks. Sorry, Mary. Appreciate. I'm sure you're a nice person. You made bad decisions. I'm out. So verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put Mary to shame, resolved to divorce Mary quietly. Now divorce, of course, even at this betrothal, the engagement on steroids still had to be worked out and it was necessary, right? Because Joseph's not the biological dad. 
I'm not going to be sticking around with this gal, you can imagine him saying. So I imagine the decision is made. He's called the lawyers. The paperwork has been drawn up. They're going to meet first thing in the morning to do all the final signing. He decides, all right, I'm going to call it a night. He goes to sleep and he has a dream, 20. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Notice the callback to Joseph's genealogical tree from 1 to 17. Hey, Joseph, you're in the line of King David. Do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. For Jesus will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. For any here who are naturally skeptical at good news, you don't have to apologize to me that you might respond with some suspicion or doubt when you face this unbelievable message. Because had you or I been in Joseph's shoes, there is no way we would believe this, right? Like, I don't believe it when a person's calling on a phone to tell me about a car warranty. There ain't no way I'm going to be believing the message that a woman is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Like, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night, you know? Can you imagine, Joseph, pregnant from the Holy Spirit? Oh, man, I have... I ate something bad. I am on some sick substance right now. God wants me to adopt a baby and name him Jesus. And, and this, this baby inside this woman's belly is going to save the world from sins? No way, God. There's just no way. That the angel begins with, you don't have to be afraid. Because that's my guess of how Joseph felt. Man, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. People are going to think I'm a fool, man. Can you imagine? What will, what will I do? What will Joseph do with this unbelievable news? 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did. As the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Look at the faith that Joseph demonstrates. He obeys the angel. This news is unbelievable. And he's, he even commits himself to staying pure with his girl until the baby is born. And then culturally, the way you finalized an adoption 2,000 years ago is when daddy named the kid. And that day happened. And Joseph said, his name is Jesus. And I'm going to adopt him. And he believed the word of the Lord. Joseph faced his fear and he flushed those feelings of foolishness to be obedient to God. He chose to trust in the Lord with all of his heart. Joseph chose to lean not on his own understanding but in everything acknowledge God and allow God to make straight his path. Joseph trusted the good news, unbelievable that it was, and he wasn't too afraid to believe God's word. Here then is the connection from Joseph's story to 
our story. Friend, you, you and I aren't too different than the characters we find in the Bible. I know we're 2,000 years apart, and I know there's cultural differences. So if Joseph and Mary took a time machine and they walked in here, there'd be so many things that are different. But at heart, we're the same kind of people who struggle with the same kind of relational drama. We have the same sort of doubts, and we're, we have the same fears, and we're, we're afraid of being thought as fools. And, and it would be foolish of us to read this text and to think back to ourselves and go, yeah, the only reason Joseph did it is because, well, he's an idiot and he doesn't understand basic biology. That's the reason he probably married her is because he doesn't actually know where babies come from. No way. Of course he did. Of course he understood how this whole thing worked. You know, some call that chronological snobbery to think that we're so sophisticated, we're so smart today, we wouldn't do what they did. No, he's got the same issues you and I would have, and he's wrestling with it. And what I find so beautiful is Joseph has his little life that he's got planned for himself, and he's going along, he's got a girl, he's got his little dream, and then all of a sudden, God interrupts it, and God shows up. And Joseph has to decide what am I going to do when God unexpectedly meets me in the middle of my story? And if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, this has happened to you. If you're genuinely a Christian, then you know that there is a time in your life when you're just trucking along doing your own thing, and then God, boom, he interrupted your story. And all of a sudden, the message that's unbelievable came to your mind and, and said, friend, you by yourself do not deserve heaven. In fact, because of your sin, you are destined to hell. But God, through Jesus Christ, is offering you salvation. If you're here and you're a Christian, you have believed that message. And you, despite it being unbelievable, have said, I have faith. Thank you, God, for the faith to believe this message. God interrupted your life somewhere and he gave you this gift. And you've believed what is one of the most basic and yet clear gospel moments in all of scripture. It's right here in our text. Verse 21, he will save his people from their sins. If you're here and you're Christian, God interrupted your life at some point with that message that Jesus can save you from your sins. And if you think the message that Joseph had to deal with is fantastic, like if you think, man, that sure took a lot of faith for Joseph, that ain't nothing like the faith it takes to believe that Christ can save you from your sin. Christian, if you're here, are you trusting this message? Are you centering your life right now on this crucial message that's the central heartbeat of the Bible? Christ can save you from your sin. Nobody else can save you from your sin. You can't save yourself from your sin. Your family can't save you from your sin. Your mom and dad can't save you from your sin. No, nothing else can save you from your sin but Christ. This is the parallel for us as Christians then. God unexpectedly met us somewhere in our life with this message. And so wherever you're at today, if you're here and you say, yes, Jeremy, I'm a Christian, then trust in this message. Rest in this message today. You don't have to be cynical about God's intent. God's not some robocaller trying to get you to buy some cheap car warranty in this message. He's offering it to you for your good. And as Christians, we rest in it. And, and it, 
it encourages us to persevere. And, and it encourages us, even as we're struggling with persistent sin, to lean into Jesus, to rest in what he's doing. And even when we're afraid to share the message with friends, the message of the gospel gives us steel in our backbone to say, I'm gonna share the good news, come what may. Christian, don't be afraid. Believe God's word. For those here who are not yet Christians, if you, you came in here Christmas Eve, you would not profess faith in Christ. In a way, you are very similar to Joseph in our text in that you too have some plans. You probably woke up with some plans today for, for Christmas Eve. There's some things you're gonna do tomorrow on Christmas Day. You have some plans for the coming weekend. And you may be just walking through life without too much thought of God. And yet, here on Christmas Eve, in this moment, God has met you unexpectedly. I grant hearing a guy in a blue suit is a lot less fantastic than an angel addressing you in your dream. And yet, this message is the most important message, and it is the best news anybody's going to be able to tell you today or this season or the rest of your life. If you're here and not a Christian, listen, you cannot save yourself from your sin, but Jesus Christ can. He can save you, and he would do it. And it's the best news of all time because all of us in this room, all of us fall short of living the perfect life. We, we, none of us are perfectly living the life before God. None of us even live the life we personally want. Like, like any of you here who would say, you know what, Pastor? Yeah, I'm not a Christian, but I'm actually a pretty good person. So why are you, like, why are you crushing me with all of this sin talk? Well, you let your own self down sometimes, right? I mean, I mean haven't you even disappointed yourself? So if you can't even meet your own expectations... How in the world are you meeting the God of the universe's expectations for your behavior? None of us are good enough. We're not good enough for ourselves. We're not good enough for our families. We let everybody down, not least of which is God, but Jesus would save you from your sin. So I know you might be sitting here thinking, good grief, I just showed up because mom asked me to come to Christmas Eve service and you're crushing me, bro. Get me to the cupcakes already. But, but hear my heart. You might be suspicious of my intention, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't want a dollar from you. You may be skeptical of your family's intentions. You may be suspicious of this church's intentions. You may be afraid that somebody's going to think you're a fool for believing such an old message. It is old, but it is true. And it's true, and it's not going anywhere. And a thousand years from now, there will be some who are still celebrating Jesus, and we want you to be there celebrating him too. Don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear. You can surrender your life to Christ. Follow him. You're going to live for something. Why not live for the, for the creator of the universe, the one who loves you? Hear the angel's words to Joseph now apply to you. Don't be afraid. Jesus can save you from your sin. If you're here and you don't know how to do that, oh, I would love to talk to you. It would be the best Christmas gift of all time to be able to say, here's what you do. It is quite simple. You just pour your heart out to God. 
You pour your heart out to God by saying, God, I am a sinner and I need you. Would you save me? I've got all this bad stuff that I feel awful about. Would you take that? And I want to trust in you, Christ. It's, it's pouring your heart out to God, asking Jesus to save you. And at Christmas, we are celebrating that Jesus came as a baby to come and rescue us. You don't need to be afraid. You can believe God's word. We celebrate Christ. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the ways that you have saved us. And we are so grateful. And I pray, Spirit, you would do what only you can. You can save. None of us have that ability. Would you get your work done in the lives of these precious people? In Jesus' name. Amen. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com.